Are we are we recording? Can you hear me? I, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you fine. Just fine. Oh, better, than, better than last week's episode anyway, where I literally had a phone right beside what I used to record. <laughs> and he just had to hope for the best that you could hear him. And I was thinking, ah, oh, sure, everyone can hear this. But then I realized I remember what he actually said, whereas a lot of people were going in blind. So they couldn't yeah, hear much. No, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a bit like, it was call kind of audio. Yeah, exactly. I felt like I was uh, Joe Duffy or something. You know, the kind you get on the radio when someone calls in. With, like, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Kind of thing, yeah. Right. Uh, so I suppose I'll do the intro. Uh, welcome to Name Generating, which is still a very bad joke. Uh, today I am joined by a guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Um, no. Oh, right. Uh, so that's all we have time for this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, hi, guys. Um, thank you for having me on this podcast, Tommy. Uh, my name is Carl, and uh, I like music. He he likes music, um, more specifically classical music, and he too has a podcast about that. So go ahead, promote yeah. the hell out of us. Can you hear me there? I can't, I can't, you kind of broke up there, my man. Oh, I said promote the hell out of your podcast. <laughs> Oh, here we go. Okay, I'm going to promote the hell out of my podcast now. Okay, guys, um, please do join me every Sunday for a 20-minute episode on a classical piece of music that I chose and I'm going to talk about. This week is <laughs> Halloween week, so I did a Halloween podcast. Uh-huh. So don't forget um, to choose. Did you choose? Um, I did a piece called Dance Macabre, which is called, it's basically Dance of the Dead. I think it's pretty cool. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, so you've you've let us in. Um, it is Halloween, the day we are recording this. It is indeed. Yeah, happy thirty first. Yeah, happy thirty first. An episode was going to be up yesterday, but um, I was doing something that ended up being successful, uh, and so I decided, hey, I'll take the night off and I'll, I'll enjoy <laughs> myself for a bit. So um, I probably just yeah. uh, mention for health and safety reasons. Um, Tommy and I are two meters apart, just so you know. Yeah, two meters and several kilometers apart. <laughs> yeah, so don't yeah. even worry. Yeah, exactly. Um, so today's episode actually has a bit of structure to it. There was a bit of planning that went into it, which is not something I am a huge, huge fan of structure and planning. Uh, but what we're doing is, as Carl's previously mentioned, he is a huge fan of music and I am as well. But we would have very different tastes in music. So Carl um, would be interested in, you know, more classical music, uh, whereas I would just be interested in anything and everything really like I don't narrow it down at all it's, it's completely mad so um what we've done is uh we have collected you know we've made a list each or at least I've made a list anyway you may have it in your head I'm not sure uh of pieces of music that mean something to us for some sort of reason whether it be deep or dumb and we're just going to talk about them for a bit and maybe uh highlight the differences but as well as that um make some of the comparisons yeah, in that as well. Yeah. So, um, I suppose I'll I'll let you go first. What What was your first uh, choice? Oh, damn! Okay. Wow, I'm honored. Okay. Um, so the pieces I chose, I I chose three pieces, and both of them, no, all, not both of them, because that'd be two. All three of them are my all time favorite. They won't ever die for me. So, um, the first one I picked is the for a second movement to Beethoven's Symphony Number no. Seven in A Major. Um, it's quite a famous piece. I'd say most of you would recognize it if I played it. It's um, it's the piece. Could that you hold it for the... a second, just for myself. I wouldn't be too into classical. So, what does it sound like? Okay, so if you all know the King's Speech, it's the music that plays in the background while he makes the speech. Oh yes, of course. That's the piece uh, of music I'm talking about there. Yes. Yeah, so... uh, particular. Say again. Why would you? Why did you choose this? Uh, this piece. I think it's um, it's special. It's really special, and the reason for that is because it doesn't really have a melody. It doesn't really have a tune. It's the the same note played over and over again. But the reason why it's so amazing is because of the harmonies below it. It's a it's a proper piece for the harmonies. It, it really Beethoven utilized them to its full, and that's what makes it beautiful. Wow. And um, when you when you hear this song, or, or this, not song, I'm sorry, uh, you know, you can call piece, it a song. 
People call it songs these days. (laughs) I may as well just briefly (laughs) mention this. Carol is, um, for lack of a better term, a musical genius. Okay, Uh, don't say that because it's not true. Oh, no, you are, to be honest. He he plays, uh, to my knowledge, he plays bassoon and piano. I mean, you may play something else. I know, that's kind of it. That's the extent of it. Yeah, he's, um, he's very, very much so good at the old instruments and and what like i myself i dabble in guitar but i would not be i would not (laughs) consider myself a genius at all um but yeah so what would when you listen to um this particular piece does it make you um feel anything in particular or think to a time when you when you first heard it what a what what a um when you first heard this song what did you feel or this piece well I i first heard this piece uh, three years ago, um, I went to see it live, and that was incredible. Um, wow. But I, I think it's um, this movement in particular, this section of the piece is it's so reflective. You know, it's like it's very, it's really, it's dramatic, but it's not dramatic so that you can't really think about anything else. It's dramatic because it makes you think about yourself and about what's going on. I think it's really, it's really important because um, this piece, I feel, has a certain connection to what's going on in the world. It's kind of a lament for the that's going on out there, you know? Yeah, entirely. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, like, Beethoven didn't know about the crap that was going on out there right now because he's, like, 200 years old. Actually, no, this year he's 250 years old. Um, but, uh, no, he. Right, it, I think it's, um, it can be used today for that reason. Yeah. Completely. Um, I suppose that sort of leads into my first choice. Um, and that would be Wesley's theory off of Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. Uh, so this song, um, it's oh, fuck, this song, man. I can't get over the song now. I am not a huge fan of hip hop or rap, um, but I particularly like Kendrick Lamar. I, I really I think the way he mixes things like something you really wouldn't expect as well as that oh, confusion. He, yeah exactly and when he writes he writes about really really deep topics and he writes about he he writes songs for good and to get a message across that's important to get across and so what wesley's theory is about it's about um you may know the famous african-american actor wesley snipe who was uh, arrested for tax fraud and um how this now uh, i know that you know i'm i'm quite a reason for me at all you know but i think it starts off like uh, it the opening bridge it comes it's an extract from a song from a um, jamaican singer and it's uh every you know n word is a star and it's sort of highlighting how in hollywood um the sort of this tragedy sort of um story arc where somebody comes from rags to riches in the african-american community is sort of i like idolized almost as in it's it's made a thing like if african-american actor in hollywood or, or musician you're sort of you know you're you're it's even in the eyes of the press or the eyes of those who want to make money off of it which brings us into this idea of uncle sam which is a huge part of the album um is it, it, it like it's just sort of, it's sought after. And then that's... I mean, I suppose that's a, that's a big thing in the entire music industry, isn't it? it the, how the yeah. how these black African-American people would have made their name. Completely. Um, in difficult conditions. Yeah, and like, even there, just this idea of tragedy in music. It's, you know, on Britain's Got Talent, how the winner always seems to have this huge story about how they've come from this background. Or like, it, it just seems... I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And sometimes like having, when they do... Yeah. When they do I sometimes think that I think sometimes part of it's a little bit sympathy vote, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Um and then so the song is briefly um is, is very abruptly cut off by um the words hit me and then it launches into this absolutely fantastic sounding um I don't know if you'd call it I'm not partic- I don't study music, um, but I don't know if it's a melody or anything, but it's just it's so cool. Like it's just it's <laughs> it just sounds really cool and you hear Kendrick rapping over what happened Kendrick is 
and how you know he's his fame for for uh, for bat for using women and, and and the likes and then what happens is halfway through the song uh there's a call from dr dre and he's saying that uh uh you came out to my house you said you wanted a spot like this well anybody can get it the hard part is keeping it um which i think is a, a really powerful sentiment especially from someone like dr dre who is undoubtedly a huge figure in hip-hop and then it launches into this oh, easily my favorite part of the song it has a huge meaning but it just gets me hyped up when i hear it because it just works really well it's like um it's kendrick saying uh what do you what do you want you want to it's um he's being, like a he's good being, kind like, of moment do you want you want a house a car 40 acres a mill a piano and a guitar anything <laughs> say my name is uncle sam and it's just it's phenomenal and i think it's really addressing the issues how um we like uh in america at least when it comes to success a lot of um high you know high profile people in in powerful positions you know white white people in a lot of in, in a lot of the case they want to see um a successful african american fail and it's really talking about a very serious issue that but it's done it in such a very well you know, well-founded way that it's a brilliant intro to the album because it, it does tackle these themes of fame and... Oh, is, that the, is that the first song in the album? First song in the album, yeah, I should have said that. It's the intro to the album and it starts with a needle crack and it's just so good. And if you haven't heard it, um, it it's a phenomenal song, I think. Uh, it just, ha- you know, the album itself, To Pimp a Butterfly, a lot of people write it, I suppose. It's not, I won't even say... It really is about taking something that is one thing and making it something that's completely different. So like to say, <laughs> the pimp means to sexualize, to sexualize a butterfly. It's like, why, you know, it, it really does have this idea of contrast, but it's about fame and going back to your roots and stuff. So that's why uh, later on the album, I, which would be considered probably one of the more pop friendly songs when it came out initially on single, it's performed completely live in his hometown of Compton. And I just think that that's a really good touch. But yeah, so number one would, would be Wesley's theory off of To Pimp a Butterfly by <laughs> coming in at number one. Coming in at number one. <laughs> Watch Mojo. Come get me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh do you have another piece you would like to talk about? I have a number two and I also have a number three, but I'll do the number two for it, because it's number two. That comes okay. after number one. Go for it. Okay, so number two is um it's a piece that wouldn't necessarily be that well known to people who don't know classical music but it would be a piece of music known to people who do know classical music. It's like one of those ones. Uh, it's the Piano Concerto number 20 in D minor by Mozart. Um, a Piano Concerto is a piece of music written for piano and orchestra. And uh, Mozart wrote 23 of them and in his 35-year lifespan. Must have and for me, this is the best. He had a lot of time. Like, I swear, he had a lot of time. Yeah. Um, this is he wrote twenty three, and out of and two of them, only two out of twenty three of them were written in a minor key, which means it's kind of it sounded sounds a bit sadder, and uh, it's my favorite of his. Um, <laughs> Briefly, just to come back, any... to, you were saying about the minor key and how it makes it sound sadder. Not last night, yes. I was just listening to a video, and it was the SpongeBob theme, but in minor key, and I was like, "Wow, this is so sad." <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. It's quite upsetting. Who is that? But, who did that i don't know but it was really sad like it was in gray and white it was like it was all who decided one morning that you know what i'm gonna make the spongebob theme song into a i don't know theme. but i'm happy that who they did because there was something to watch at 1am <laughs> well i mean it's, it's like it makes you think and it's something new it's something you wouldn't necessarily normally see yeah. um so um but I anyway uh, so i don't i don't really like this piece for any particular reason just for the fact that it's it's quite dramatic, yeah. Like not like Beethoven seven dramatic, but like Mozart dramatic as an in your face dramatic, you know that kind of thing. I get you, yeah. I think it's I think it's just fun, you know. Yeah. Right. I know it's kind of weird to say it's fun in a minor key, but it's yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Carol, because I found that funny that it, that you said fun in a minor key because that's a music joke and I get music jokes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> I learn everything I play by <laughs> by ear. I don't know anything. I just play by ear, and it works out fine. Uh, but maybe not in a classical scenario, anyway. 
Um, yeah, no, that, that's my number two. Okay, brilliant. And honestly, I don't have anything particularly deep to say about it. Yeah, that's funny because it's actually maybe uh, D minor, which is the key of music that that is in. Uh, D minor Mozart used for pieces of music to express yeah like anger or fear. That's the kind of thing he used for D minor. Yeah, right. That's really interesting, honestly. And it's fun. I mean, I suppose that's that's another thing about music, like classical music. I don't know, if, like about your preferences, but like when it comes to this kind of music, composers often like hid their own messages in something really inconspicuous, such as the key the music's in. You know. Oh, so the fact that this is in a minor key, um, do you think maybe? Well, first of all, the fact that it's in a minor key already makes it like you kind of think he's a little bit worried at this point. Yeah. But then when he puts it into B minor. You begin to think, okay, he's obviously trying to express something. That's really fa- I Honestly, I would have never thought of it like that. That's that's very interesting. Because yeah, um, yeah. minor key does undoubtedly sound sadder, but I would have never thought of it like, oh, Mozart's kind of upset, boys. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that's their, in, in the audience, they're like, oh, guys, Mozart's kind of upset. Yeah. <laughs> Mozart kind of sus. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's for number two. I think it's funny how your second choice doesn't really have much of a meaning to it because I think the same could be said for mine. So, so what's your second choice? Um, it's it's the it's an album, and it is oh damn, yeah, it's Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by the Beatles. In case you weren't aware, oh the Beatles. Yeah. The reason I love this album, I love how I've gone from Kendrick Lamar to the Beatles. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> The reason I, I really love this album, um, there's there's multiple. Um, I think probably the primary reason is um, m- myself being the um, quirky hipster that I am, I have it on vinyl um, as a... As a oh, damn. Yeah, I have it on vinyl, and it was the first vinyl I actually... Uh, but vinyl is always better. Vinyl is always... I know. So and better. I think having a physical copy of something like that may, just increases its meaning and... I mean, it's mentioned, no doubt, it. but... On the vinyl, you can see that's where the music is. You know, know it makes. The, I just think it's really cool because, like, see, my um record player is like Bluetooth, right? So it isn't a real like oh, damn. old. That's pretty cool. But I think if I turn off the Bluetooth sometime, you can actually hear the music still because it's from the sounds and vibrations off the vinyl, and I just think that oh, oh so oh cool. And I mean, really, when I'm playing music for anyone on the vinyl, and then I turn off the speaker, I'm like, listen to this, and they're like. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just gonna hit some yeah, cool. right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> anyway, so it's now, Tommy. We're 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 the weirdos who like like vinyl. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you have a vinyl, automatically everyone assumes you're a hipster. That's like jug. They all automatically think that you're old. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think the reason <clears throat> I have it on vinyl, and I think, um, I ever since I because I think with vinyl anyway, I think. With streaming services, the idea of playing an album from start to finish has kind of died. You just pick out a song you really want to hear. And as a result of that, albums made nowadays, for in, in most cases, like I'm not saying all, um, but, you know, you would have an album and it's uh, continuity really doesn't matter because like every song is just an individual song by itself. You know, it doesn't it doesn't run into the other song that was before it. It, it, it's to be picked out because you know like playing songs on the radio you don't play albums the whole way through uh and i just think i listen to this song i listen to this album start to finish because that's what a vinyl is for you know it's very difficult to pick out individual songs on a vinyl you, you can't really like no pinpoint a like, moment you want to start playing yeah. it at. you can make a guess by the lines but apart from that there's but nothing that's it. to go by yeah. yeah and so from then on out and I can actually say this. I've never listened to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band in its entirety on anything else but vinyl. Uh, I, I've listened to songs, sure, uh, off of, you know, just on my phone from the album. But I will always save the occasion of listening to it um, start to finish, A to B, um, on vinyl. Because I think the first time I heard, um, you know, the opening song, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, uh, and then the end of the song, it, they say Billy Shears, right? Um, which is kind of funny. And it started a whole conspiracy. You're like, Paul McCartney's dead. Uh, he's still going, though. Uh, if he dies today, that's bad. Oh, yeah, good one. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, then 
from there, it runs into a little help from my friends. And I remember hearing that on vinyl. And I was thinking, this came out, God knows when, you know, in the 60s. And they were able to do something like that, that it runs into it. And I just thought that was so cool. And then I decided from then on out, I would never listen to that album on shuffle. And then that stems into, I will never listen to this album on anything but the vinyl that I have it on. Because it's just, not only is it a really, um, it, it's kind of like, the reasons I love it are just uh, sort of materialistic in the sense that I like the sound, I like having a physical copy of it. But also, um, I love looking at the album cover <laughs> and just when I'm listening to it, just looking, analyzing everything I can. Because it's one of, if you're, if you're asking me, I think it's one of the best album covers ever made, I think. Is that the one where the Beatles are walking across the road? Oh, that's Abbey Road. But the Sgt. Pepper's Club, Band, it's when they're all in these mad, bright outfits and they're surrounded Maybe by loads of different people. knowledge on this kind of music. Yeah. And they're just surrounded by all these people. And like the album that I got it in, like in the, in the sleeves and stuff, it comes with, um, it comes with like cut out. It, it says who each person on the album is. And like, it would be like, I think oh. Charlie Chaplin is on it, I think. Um, but then there'd also be like, a, oh, there'd be a Satanist cool. on it. <laughs> Fully. There, there's, there's a Satanist on the album. Like a, 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 a well-known Satanist. Um, Oh, and like, that's, that's actually so yeah, and then they also have the Madame Tussauds versions of the Beatles on the album cover, which is just so funny to me. And by the way, they were made in the 60s, those wax figures, so they look really bad. <laughs> like, from, <laughs> compared to what how realistic they look nowadays, they're chronic. <laughs> um, I think I went, yeah, I remember going to Madame Tussauds, that was like the last thing I did before lockdown, really. Yeah, that's an odd awesome last thing to have done before lockdown. If you yeah, know I, I was saying that. Uh, Madame Tussauds is pricey though, isn't it? Like the entrance, it's pricey, but it's worth it. It's I so think, cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, but yeah, that's sort of it for me with Sgt. Pepper's. It's kind of just like I love having it, and I love being able to listen to it on something other than a um a phone. And I have loads of vinyls, but it's just that was my yeah. first one. And it's such a like a notorious album, and just to have a physical copy of something that mad is just means a lot to me, and I don't know why. I mean, like this, um, the return of vinyl to the music industry. I know. I think it's phenomenal. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant because um, it's never really been easier no. to listen to your favorite artists or pieces of music or songs on your phone or whatever you want to. And um, I suppose it kind of lost a little bit of meaning. Yeah, because of that you know, it's it's gotten too easy almost. Mm. So bringing back vinyl, I think, makes them a lot more special again. Yeah, um, but we will shed a tear for CD, who will never experience will, that same yeah. vinyl. <laughs> no, the CDs, um, CDs are dying. CDs, CDs are gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun, but you know, yeah, we, we had fun, but it's it's over now. Third piece. What'd you say? Uh, your third piece. Oh, my third piece. Okay, my number three is 50 minutes long. Whoa. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, it's 50 minutes long, and it was composed in the 1900s. So it's actually quite recent. Uh, it was by a guy called Strauss, Richard Strauss. I'd say a lot of you would know him from his unbelievably famous um, Sunrise, which is featured in Space Odyssey. And... Uh, it's also in the new... Is that the opening theme factory. of Space Odyssey? Duh. Duh. Oh, of course. Duh. Yeah, the opening theme, of course. Yeah. That was Fantastic. That's him. He, he composed that. That's this guy. But um, he, the, the one I'm talking about this time is called an Alpine Symphony. This is my absolute favorite piece of all time. And it will be forever. I guarantee it. Um, it's, uh, it's basically a story the composer going for a walk through the Alps. So you get the forest and you get the stream and you get when he gets to the top, it's a fantastic moment. Um, a brilliant musical bursting of life and happiness. And then you get the thunderstorm. Which is, it's so nice. You, could, you can might, might even be able to call it music. It's literally a thunderstorm. And then it just goes back to the nighttime and then that's the end. I think it's, it's a fantastic piece of music and I would recommend it to anyone, honestly. Yeah. I mean, uh, I can't say I've ever heard this, to be honest with you. 
Um, I don't think I can say most people have ever heard it, to be honest. It's not his most well-known thing. So do you want to just say the name of it and the name of the composer again, just in case anyone missed it and wants to listen to it? Okay. So um, if you want to listen to this, then put into Spotify um, an, an Alpine Symphony by the composer Richard Strauss. Um, it's honestly, it, it's a massive emotional journey because you've got the massive climax and then back down to nothing uh, in 50 minutes. Uh, yeah, you, you're going to have to listen to it if you have time because uh, it's kind of a shame to stop in the middle. Um, I think like this piece of music is special because it tells a story. And um, I, I, most music does tell a story, but this piece of music tells a clear story. And it's even labeled in the, in the parts that this is where the sunrise starts and this is where you go into the world. Um, but uh, I think it's special um, because the composer managed to encapsulate exactly what it, exactly what it sounds like. But like when he gets to the top, no one ever starts screaming, I did it, I did it. You don't ever do that at the top of a mountain. You stop, you stop. You start panting, you take some deep breaths, and you look at the beautiful beauty. And that's what he does. It's really quiet, really calm and peaceful. And then comes the massive, whoa, I just did that there. He, did, he got it exactly right with the emotions and everything. I think it's amazing. And I think it's very cool that, you know, the majority of classical music is, well, classical <clears throat> because it's written years ago. And the fact that this is composed, you know, rent relative to, to Mozart, Beethoven. It's, um, it's prim- in 1915, so sort of in the middle of the First World War. Oh my relative God, that, that adds a whole new meaning to it as well, really. He composed it over 20 years. He kind of left it and came back to it over and over again. Yeah, I think just t- the timing of that is un- is impeccable. Just so to really give it, give it that emotional depth. Well, it's kind of a distraction as well, you know. They got all the fighting and the horror outside, and then you get the beautiful piece of nature almost. Yeah, it's a fantastic choice, and I guarantee you, I will, I will give that a listen. I know that okay. when I like it, um, yeah, when I'm typing stuff up for uh, for worker and whatnot, uh, you know, I'd be listening to most. Oh, do that. I, I tried that. It's it's not one you can just have in the background. Yeah. Okay. So oh, I was going to say, like, Mo- Mozart also, gets me going, you know, it allows me to... Mozart gets you going, but, rhythm, but then I feel like this one would really just hit like a like a car, <laughs> just really get you. I should probably mention, this piece was written for 140 musicians to play at the same time. So the loudest section that you hear, that's 140 people playing My at the same time. That's insane. I mean, you wouldn't be able to do that now with all the distancing, you know. <laughs> it's you're, you, you'd be struggling to find 140 musicians to do it anyway, regardless. <laughs> of the well, actually, that's not that hard. You just find a big orchestra. Yeah, and have you ever <laughs> seen this performed live? No, I, I like my. I was. It was recommended to me um, during lockdown when we were climbing all these hills, and um, I was told I should listen to this because it's basically the same thing, and that's when I kind of got into it. So I've never actually managed to be able to see it live, but I hope so one day. Yeah, sounds like quite the experience, honestly. Well, there's no break, you know? It keeps going for really? 50 minutes. Yeah, no break. Um, absolutely that, no break. That's absolutely all, all the movements just lead into the next one. It's a continuous 50-minute long piece. It's an experience, I tell you. And do you ever plan to analyse this in depth on uh, on your show? Did I cut out there? Uh, you cut out for me, but I don't know if that's um, my internet. Probably my internet, but uh, yeah, go on again. Yeah, apologies to the audience, by the way. If that may help <laughs> once uh, yeah. I was just going. To, I just said, um, do you plan to uh, analyze this on your on your podcast? Um, because it's so long, I think it, I might reserve it for a special day. So, like maybe if it's like a national holiday, I might just analyze it, like the whole thing. Right. But I wouldn't, pl- I wouldn't play the whole thing at the end because that's what I usually do in the podcast. But if I play the oh, whole so thing you, at the oh, end... Oh, you play it, do you? I play the whole... Like, in all my podcasts, I play um, the piece fully at the end, having analysed nice it. That's um, a nice touch. But if I did that for this piece, then, oh my God, it would be over two hours. Yeah. 
Yeah, coming in. Sorry for that suggestion. Yeah, that that makes a lot more sense now that you put it in that regard. Three is an Alpine symphony by Richard Strauss. Give it a listen. I guarantee you, you will regret it. You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Uh, So my third piece, and this is one I've chosen, not only because it affected me, but because I know you are going to, you know, really like this one. Uh, It's a song. (laughs) A, a certain part, it's a song, a certain piece from a musical. And really down to the performance. It... Oh, yes. Yes, that is amazing. <laughs> oh, don't know, my favourite musical of all time, Les Miserables. Um, and that scene is, it's amazing. Oh, that is amazing. If, if this one scene, I mean, there's so many points in the play where you get goose or the musical where you get goosebumps, but if Javert's suicide is done right, it's yes. haunting. I remember uh, you and me went to see it in the cinemas and it was a semi-staged performance, but they still managed to execute it perfectly. Oh, and even with the camera, I honestly think it utilized it because he, fo- he could yeah. focus on something and it was direct eye contact with this man who was so troubled. Um, yeah, oh, it's it's, uh, it's so powerful. It is so powerful. And the line, the line, nothing on earth that we share. The earth that we share is Jean or Javert. That just that it highlights what is really about. It's about difference and stubbornness, and it's just about constant. Like he's never. I don't think. I think first off, Javert is one of the best uh, um, antagonists in in a musical or in general. But yes. I, I don't I think there was a bad person. I just think his um, was, yeah. ideologies and morals, they were a different breed. Like they were very much focused on religion and the doing the job and doing it for God. Because um, he was a police chief. He was the chief of police in Paris um, in this, was it, would, would you call it the second revolution, I suppose? Uh, yeah, kind of the aftermath. So, um he had to track down in case anyone hasn't seen Limis, which would be criminal if you're asking me. So I honestly think try and see it or hear it in some regard, whether it be the films. And if you are going to listen, if you are going to listen to it, then go for the 10th anniversary recording. It's also on YouTube. Yeah. You can watch it there. Right? Completely. Yeah. Uh, watching the movie is fine, but like try and see it live. It's, it's quite, yeah, I mean, the, the movies are very good and all, but it doesn't really, do the music justice, you know? Yeah, Les Mis was written for the music and for live theatre, and it's live theatre. So yeah, I do... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but tracked down a man who was on the run because he was a parole um, after he was arrested for stealing bread, I believe, because That's remember, yeah. French Revolution, poverty was... And so himself because while you know if he goes for any job or whatever he has to show them the papers they believe he's a criminal when all he did was steal some bread this is Valjean by the way um and so uh but every time it's like who am I if someone asks who am I I always say to yeah, myself that's, like that, that's so the piece one. of music that runs through the entire thing both of those two there's Javert and Valjean they both at some point question who they actually are I know it's just Oh, Les Mis in general just is very well executed. I mean, like, as you said, Javert was in constant struggle, and that much is clear from his Act One song, Stars, in which he says he will never rest until he's caught this man. And then when it comes to his suicide, we realise that he feels like a failure because he's not not managed to it. He feels guilty, he feels bad. Yeah. In a way, that's kind of why he takes his own life. And even then, he owes his life that he had spent yes, exactly. most of his life tracking down and it's just he will not be in the death of a thief as it says in Javert's Suicide I and, believe the line is damned if I live in the death of the thief exactly, damned that's... if I yield at the end of the shave oh it's true honestly I'd say Carl and I could do an entire podcast and is and oh, that don't, don't get us started I know it... started. <laughs> but, um, I suppose really I could talk so I suppose is there anything I'm really missing that we should definitely address like it's just it's a very I remember seeing it there I've seen it a couple of times you know in different adaptations as well as the yes 
film. Yeah. And in the film, by the way, it's awfully gruesome where you actually hear his body. Yeah, you body. hear the crack. The crack. crack. I, don't, yeah. I think that was, that was unnecessary. You wouldn't hear it because like, the camera's at the top of the bridge. You wouldn't hear the crack from the top of the bridge. But I think when that is done well, it's probably, for me anyway, when it comes to a sad part of the play, I think Javert's suicide is the most haunting like it, it yeah, really, um, not like you're horrified, but it's just it, it takes you back, it gives you goosebumps, it takes you. It's not like when you know they finish uh, one day more where everyone's on stage, it's all so triumphant and optimistic. That's my favorite, and just say that's my favorite song, <laughs> yeah. One day, I mean, I can't blame you, one day more is probably my favorite song as well. That or stars, personally, um, yeah, sorry. That's my favorite. That's my also my favorite because like I mean Javert is like he also gets the best music. Oh, he does completely. Yeah. His uh his light motif, as you once told me, is it where his his little uh, yes, his a light motif where the each thing or character has a certain motif or theme yeah. and it comes back when you come back. I thought that I I remember seeing it, uh, like I think I was watching it in the movie adaptation where it was like uh, he was talking to the um the owners of the hotel and they were trying to track down Valjean he's like let the old man keep on running I will run him to his feet and then it just speeds it up <laughs> and then now we're going everyone about your business here's oh, no. this garbage off the street oh it was it's just a very I name is just phenomenal honestly it is um, and I, I just um, say like if you do want to see a version for free um, Lame is the 10th anniversary concert edition from the Albert Hall with the finest singers of all that's on youtube and um it's a concert performance so it's actually there's not even any acting at all but they still managed to make his suicide one of the best bits ever i don't know how but like they executed it perfectly yeah oh and it's 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 called javert's suicide because he throws himself off a bridge or uh, yeah just in case that wasn't here yeah <laughs> we're not just throwing around that word for fun uh, no because um yeah <laughs> yeah um, so I, I think you have your pieces done. Um, I just, do you have another couple? I just have one or two and I think these ones would feed into your sort of thing. So I think we should talk about them for just a little bit. Um, so what I have here is it's, it's an album again, but it isn't like it's a soundtrack to a film. Um, that film being now, before we get into this, I am a huge film nerd. That would be. My, my that would be clear enough from his second episode. Yeah, uh, my top I, favorite. I had so much fun making it. <laughs> <laughs> I had so I, I apologize for its length, um, which is ironic because well, this episode, but um, uh, I just I, I love film and I love Christopher Nolan, he would be my favorite director. Tennis was a little controversial, I it wouldn't be my favorite film, not my work, not my least favorite, but I mean, that's another that's for another day. Um, what I have here is the soundtrack to Dunkirk. Okay, I've never seen Dunkirk. Should I see You've it? Never seen Dunkirk, right? Well, um, it's it's a Hans Zimmer uh, soundtrack, which is you oh know, yeah, it's He's usually yeah, it's usually how a Nolan film goes. Uh, if I were to recommend one piece of that uh, soundtrack to you, Carl, it would probably yeah. be the piece titled "The Mole." Um, the so, Mole. Yeah, to represent, because this is on the beaches of Dunkirk, there is um, a stretch of, like, sort of rock and concrete that goes out into the water, and that's called the Mole. That's where all the soldiers were waiting to get on boats out of Dunkirk while the SA or the Luftwaffe were um, above them dropping bombs and, and, and all that stuff. So it's pretty, pretty dramatic. Yeah, it, it, oh, God. it's See, the main thing in Dunkirk is time. That's what Nolan loves time. Um, you may notice in, in Inception, he messes with um, time because dreams have different times. There's literally a song in Inception called Time. Which is, again, one of the most po- powerful I've ever heard. It's awfully dramatic. Um, in, in the that good is, way, yeah. dramatic has this sort of negative connotation about it. But um, <laughs> what, we, what we hear in... So in Inception, obviously, he messes with time. Uh, but then in The Dark Knight, which is some, or The Dark Knight Rises and The Dark Knight, um, he's constantly changing time as well. Uh, again, in, in tennis, time is fucked all over the place. 
Um, <laughs> but then in, in, in Dunkirk, we f- the thing about Dunkirk is there's different characters in it. So there's a soldier. There's a soldier who's escaped Dunkirk. There is a, a pilot for the Air Force. Um, and then there's a civilian that's going over to collect soldiers. This is from Britain to the uh, the beach of Dunkirk in North France. Um, but they're all in different times. So the, uh, and that will say it like the Air Force person could be maybe a day behind or a day forward. Uh, but I suppose the main thing about Dunkirk is, because it's about time, it's about how much time do we have before too many men have died on this beach. So okay. the first thing you hear at the start of not just the Dunkirk soundtrack, but Dunkirk is the ticking of a, of a watch. So you'll hear that and it plays into the music. And so it just slowly gets more and more loud. It, it gets louder. And there's a part in the, in the song where um, strings come into play and you'll, you'll hear it. It's like, da, 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 da. it just, it honestly, you can't, I would listen to this now if I was driving or if I was in the car and I was just putting myself in the situation, I'm a soldier. <laughs> and the yeah. this piece of music, it's, it uses um, the shepherd tone, the shepherd effect. You, do you know that, um, that technique? I'm not aware of it. I believe now, uh, again, I don't study music, but I believe it's sort of layering of different frequencies of, of a song that it sounds as if it's constantly going getting getting um higher pitched as you go along and, and then changing it, it really yeah sort of yeah exactly oh um, yeah i know what you mean and if you want to look into it afterwards do feel free and uh do correct me <laughs> but uh <laughs> you can't help but listen to it and f- feel even slightly because dunkirk the way it creates fear in the film not scaring you but just constant fear the music in that film really aids that that process because it's con- you feel like it's constantly getting higher pitched it's con- you're never going to be it's just getting more and more tense and tense and tense it's just i'm it a little bit driving like, um, i find little... myself running out of breath it's just it takes you <laughs> it controls you and i absolutely love it and i know i make it it's it's uh, you know Adagio by Barber that we yes. listen to. Yes, that, of course. It's a bit like that in a way. So it's if it's climbing up and up and up and getting more and more intense. Yeah, I always thought that did sound because I we listened to that in a scenario where we didn't know, or at least I didn't know what piece of music it was, and I actually found it very similar, funny enough, to um something that would be in a. Uh, a Nolan film, so then I sort of said it's 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 Zimmer esque. It's what I wrote in my copy. Zimmer esque, <laughs> yeah. Um, That's a nice word. I'd use that. Yeah, well, I, you have to. I love a hyphen, man, because you can put a hyphen in and then it's a. Word. Oh, you put. A- oh, damn. I know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Dun- that that the Dunkirk soundtrack in particular. But if I were to recommend you listen to anything, it would be probably Mo. The, Mo. the Mo. Yeah, it's the first okay. thing on it. It really does a good job at um, introducing you to the film. And the, Just talking to you now, it's on my playlist. Yeah, and the same goes for anyone listening that hasn't heard it. And so, yeah. one more piece, and you are going one to absolutely love this one. We'll finish on right. this. Um, it is The Storm from Vivaldi's Four Seasons. Ah, excellent. Excellent. That so, is a good choice. Um, call it, I, I feel everyone's heard of The Four Seasons, but um, call it nuance, because... <laughs> Carl is the person who introduced me to um, the Four Seasons because I believe we were on a hike and I asked, what's that song that goes da 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 <laughs> like, oh, it's this one. <laughs> and then we, we listened to the, the whole Four Seasons or very close to the whole Four Seasons. Um, and as we were going along, you were describing, oh, well, in this scenario, yada, da, 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 da. And it was, it was brilliant. And I remember... Um, what is the name of the piece before the storm? It's 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 summer, I know, but what's the name of the piece? It's summer. It, it's um, it's uh, it's kind. Of, it's uh, it's not necessarily a name, but um, the title above the music is, um, hot day with the flies. Yeah, the flies are bugging the people 
and in the, you can already hear kind of in the distance at that point the roll of thunder you know yeah, uh, yeah and i remember and you described there's a the first time massive crescendo massive crescendo as in getting really loudly and then that's when the storm hits i know and i i just i would always listen if i am going to listen to it and i don't have the time to listen to the whole four seasons which is a sad day admittedly <laughs> um i would <laughs> I would play that song first and then it just goes so perfectly into it because it's just silence and then boom, you're gone. It exactly. takes you. Um, but I remember you describing the beginning and it was like, oh, well, this person is panting and the flies are around. I'm like, that sort of works. <laughs> and I just think yeah. when you add that sort of I, classical music, the stories, <laughs> that's the name of his podcast. Well, I mean, this is like, um, this is Alpine Symphony 300 years before. Yeah. Know? Complete. And I just think, the, the storm, in case you aren't aware, I feel like everyone's heard the storm, really, but they just might not. Yeah, you, just, if, if you, you probably won't be able to recognise it when we say the storm, but when you hear it, you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's an awfully um, powerful piece. Again, hate to use uh, the word. And it doesn't stop. It's That's quite another drastic. thing. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It's like it's from start to finish um, as fast as you can go. Oh, and I love that part where it's like, the the, so the string sort of has its own day where it's like you know that that little part where it's like they kind of go a little higher I don't know how to describe it but it's almost <laughs> it just it, it was like um I don't know it reminds me of sort of a spy thriller for that part of it where like the music is nice and high pitched I, I don't know it was just very cool um but yeah yeah the storm it's just I think I've said to you many times. And it's just replaced by the storm every time we had to go to a new class. And how scary would that be? Because that song is just so, or that piece, again, apologies, it just hits you. <laughs> Full on wait, 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 punch. It. I mean, you're not the one playing it. Like, you're not playing it. But when you finish listening to it, you're still panting. You're like, yeah. what? Hearing what? It, just, it really does. I think what music, if I'm, if a song or a piece, or a soundtrack, or an album, if it can take you. And it's very hard to describe what taking you is when it comes to music. But if it can bring you on a journey of sorts, and so that afterwards you're like, wow, I think it's done its job. And for everything I've said here, completely, but for the storm, my God, it, it it really does take, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's another one of those pieces that sounds exactly like it should, you know, oh, the storm. The name, it just, the, the whole of the four seasons, the stories behind them just work apps is so, so well. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it called is. the storm and it just, it makes sense. Same with the flies. And there's the, the one um, you describe as your favorite piece and you can get into it um, where they're ice skating or something. Um, so like, yeah, that would be in winter. Yeah. Uh, so the four seasons comprises of four violin concertos, each violin concerto being a season. And a violin concerto, like a piano concerto, is for um, orchestra and solo violin. Um, although 300 years before that, then they wouldn't have all those winds and brass and percussion. They'd just be strings. Uh, so in winter, it's three movements. And the first, and it opens, I think, with the ice skating, um, which I think is, is just, it's, Vivaldi knew what he was writing. He'd obviously gone ice skating before. He knew what happens when you go ice skating. You fall down. You do fall down. I'm still scared. You can kind of hear you falling down as well, you know. Oh, I'm still scared. One time, I went ice skating <laughs> once when I was in sixth class, and I fell down so much, I honestly, I haven't gone since. Oh, no. <laughs> like, would go ice skating, you know, at the end of school before we go to uh, for Christmas, and I will always find yeah. an excuse to be like, "Nope, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm afraid of it. It's a fear." Last time I went ice skating, I fell over so badly that I got really winded. You know that feeling God, when you can't breathe anymore. Being winded is is phenomenal. It's just it it's it's awful. <clears throat> I hate it. I remember once I was winded and I wasn't sure what it was because I thought I'd been winded and I hadn't. And I swore I was dying. I was like, I think I'm dying now. <laughs> I, I sounded like Arthur Morgan from Red Dead Two. I was like, where was me? <laughs> I think what's special about the the ice skating one though is that when it finishes, it leads into a really slow and really beautiful movement, which you'd all also recognise if you listen to it. Um, which in which the caption is 
um, sitting by the fire while everyone else is cold outside. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's something I think we can all relate to last night. And I think we're allowed to sort of, you know, when you hear the rain hitting the roof or your window, yeah. and you're just inside, the wind snug, and the rain. all warm yeah. and cozy. Exactly. I think, like, of course, there's obviously there's people that aren't as privileged and that's awful, but I think we're allowed to take some enjoyment out of it. it just even the smallest yeah, piece, of course. you know. You can just think, oh, I feel awfully safe. Yeah, exactly. Just that comfort. And yeah. I think some pieces of music will do that to you as well. And that's that's a lovely thing. The fact that yeah. sounds in, in a very basic term can make you feel this way. And the fact that all of these pieces of music, you know, ne- neither of us have pieces, like a list of music that's exceeded um, 10. And I just think the fact we've been able to talk for 50 minutes about it. Yeah, that, that's true. Music, <laughs> at the time, music yeah. just really does that to you. Yeah, it does. That's the, I think that's the, we could say hands down that, that is the similarity between our taste of music. Yeah. That all of it does make us feel something, even if it's good or bad or whatever. It still does something to our emotions. Oh, Carl, I was hoping this episode would be good and we're here. I feel like this is... I, I really enjoyed <laughs> this. We did it. With you. We did I it. <laughs> uh, so I suppose that about wraps up things. Unless, I mean, honestly, yes. we're probably... If we keep going, we won't be able to stop. So I think we have to stop. Yeah, yeah so we should, probably, we should probably use our willpower. Exactly. For what's left of our willpower right uh, now. So I suppose briefly, just before we go, uh, Carl, if you want to give your podcast that shout out again so people listen to it. Okay. Um, so guys, uh, this is basically what I do every week, what we, what you heard here today. I do this every week, but with only one piece of music and it's all classical. So, yeah, yeah, no, no Kendrick that. Lamar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but, uh, do come along cause, uh, it's, um, I think it's interesting and people who've talked to me about it think it's interesting. And I always like to find new people to listen to my stuff. So, um, do come along and I uh, hope to see you there. Yeah, I'd um, I will be giving Tommy's podcast a shout out. I tell Thank you, Carl. Uh, I'd highly recommend it as well. I mean, as I've said, I'm not a huge classical music fanatic, but every time I've listened to it, I found it very, very interesting. And it's, uh, it's, it's very well put together. So, yeah. Thank you very much. No, no problem. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Thank you for coming uh, on. Tommy, thanks so much for having me on. Of course. Uh, so that, that is it for us this week. Uh, I will chat to you guys later.